stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, so as mentioned, the federal government announcing today three new measures to, to make it easier for residents in Hong Kong to come to Canada. Immigration Minister Marco Mendocino making the announcement today. Uh, he says, for example, no one will be disqualified from making a legitimate asylum claim in Canada uh, by sole virtue of having been charged under the new national security law. So we're not looking at that as a crime, as China would, would have us, but we're looking at that uh, then as, as somebody who's probably in need of, of some asylum. Uh, that's certainly pro-democracy activists in Hong Kong as a result of China's security crackdown are in uh, much greater danger right now. Uh, new measures today uh, target young, educated Hong Kongers were billed as part of the government's plan to increase skilled immigration to Canada. First Avenue will see work permits issued for three years for Hong Kongers who have graduated from either recognized Canadian or overseas post-secondary institution in the last five years. And the second avenue is the creation of two new pathways toward permanent residency. One will be for Hong Kong residents living in Canada. The other will target Hong Kong residents in Canada who graduated uh, from either recognized Canadian learning institution or an overseas postgraduate program. And the final avenue, as mentioned, makes uh, some changes to existing asylum laws. One waives the one-year waiting period for a failed asylum applicant to apply once again. And again, the other makes it clear that uh, no charges laid under the national security law uh, will hurt those who are trying to come to Canada. So does this go far enough? What to make uh, of these changes? Uh, joining us uh, for some thoughts on all this, very pleased to welcome the program here this afternoon, uh, Sherry Wong, who is Executive Director of Alliance Canada Hong Kong. Uh, Sherry, thank you so much for joining us here today. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Uh, so your first impressions uh, of the announcement today, what, what did you make of what you heard? I think it's a great starting point, but this is only a starting point. Uh, as you have already mentioned, um, this measure that has been released is largely focused on getting young, educated Hong Kongers to come here mm -hmm. as economic immigrants. But what is missing really is the humanitarian side of support. Um, Hong Kong activists are um, seen as youthful and young, but not all activists are young. And those who are uh, not fitting the current uh, laid out social and economic um, factors will not be able to uh, apply to come to Canada. So I think there's a lot of gaps and uh, we look forward to the government releasing more measures to kind of cover the points that they're missing from the current uh, program. Right. And, and, and as I mentioned, I mean, a lot of this applies to Hong Kongers who are already here in Canada, right? Exactly. And what we're seeing on the ground is that a lot of Hong Kongers are struggling to leave Hong Kong. Uh, while some have been charged with the national security law, many have been charged under arbitrary crimes such as rioting or illegal uh, assembly, things like that that are politicized. Um, and a lot of those who are arrested or have been charged have had their travel documents taken away. So the current measure doesn't really help any of the activists who may have already had uh, brushings with the law enforcement. Uh, so, again, these are gaps that we need to address in uh, future follow-up uh, policies. Mm -hmm. 
I guess as as a basic principle when it comes to uh, addressing asylum claims from Hong Kong, because, you know, typically if somebody was facing criminal charges, that would be an obstacle to to them filing an uh, asylum claim. But I guess the fact that we are recognizing that we we can't really take this security law seriously and we shouldn't recognize those facing charges under it as criminals. How important uh, an established principle is that in your view? I mean, it's not only the national security law that is problematic. The entire enforcement and uh, legal system in Hong Kong is compromised right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. The chief executive herself has said that there is no separation of power between the government uh, and the courts. I think that's an indication on how far Hong Kong's legal system has deteriorated over the last couple of months. Um, And with that said... Uh, it is not only the national security law that is being used to politicize activism and to criminalize activism. Uh, we see, again, the uh, illegal assembly or rioting. Are These charges are used as a method to criminalize activists for their activities. So we also have to acknowledge that it is not only the national security law, but also other um, avenues in the legal system is being used by the regime to criminalize activism. So this announcement today doesn't necessarily make it any easier for somebody in Hong Kong to to apply for asylum in Canada, does it? It, it doesn't seem to have uh, any. Uh, it doesn't seem to make it any easier for those who are in Hong Kong to apply for asylum. But I think it does make a difference for some who. Yeah have already arrived in Canada and is seeking to apply for asylum or those who have left Hong Kong and is seeking to come to Canada for resettlement or for asylum claims. But I mean, in your view, are we at the point where maybe that's how we need to approach it, that the situation in Hong Kong is so worrisome that that we should be looking at those uh, who are trying to get out as as refugees, that we should open the door in, in that sense? Yes, absolutely. I think there's more to be done. And Canada plays a very special role in this larger relationship with China. We are a middle power, and um, and we're a middle power that also respects human rights and democracy, these values. So uh, we must do as we act, so, uh, as we say. So it, uh, accepting asylum seekers should be uh, our next step. We, we saw, you know, when there was some talk of this recently, and, and what almost sounded like uh, an implied threat from from China toward Canadians in Hong Kong that that I think we we recognize that it, you know once we make these kinds of changes there's going to be a reaction from China there may even be pushback from China to what extent does it seem as though the government is kind of hamstrung by this i mean the announcement today is is bound to upset china so i guess it's it's good that we're willing to go this far but how does that affect the government's decision making do you think I mean, it definitely plays an impact. Uh, I think Canada has done a very great job in not being uh, beholden to the CCP's uh, hostage and wolf diplomacy. Uh, We have seen a lot of collaboration between Canada and other middle powers, such as Australia, the United Kingdom, and New Zealand and Germany to uh, implement these measures. Uh, So Canada is not alone, and I don't think we need to be afraid that we will be penalized by China, because as long as we're doing this alongside our allies, uh, we will not be alone. It does feel, you know, like there's some finality to it or that it's it's a pessimistic view of the situation that we're now looking to try to almost essentially rescue uh, people from Hong Kong. Are, are we past the point of, of trying to affect any positive change 
in Hong Kong? Is is it is it too late? Do you think to to try to prevent this this crackdown from China? I think we're long past the point of preventing a crackdown in China. China has effectively dismantled every uh, system, every structure uh, that resembles Western liberal democracy in Hong Kong. Uh, whatever is deemed as one country, two system, as the UK has uh, released earlier today, it, this entire agreement has been broken by China. Um, so we must operate under the presumption that Hong Kong is no longer the Hong Kong. We I thought it would be 1997. But uh, I also want to remain optimistic because uh, while Hong Kong is not the same, it doesn't mean that all hope is lost. Uh, Other are us in the global north, in the Western uh, liberal democracies. We have power to hold China accountable. We have measures in place. I mean, asylum and accepting refugees is only one aspect of it. Uh, We also can utilize the Magnitsky sanction legislation that we have to uh, hold individual officials accountable for their role in corrupting the Sino-British Joint Declaration, as well as those who are um, actively conducting human rights violation in China. Um, You know, we can diversify Canada's trade, uh, stop trading with China and stop trading with companies that are using slave labor. Uh, These are concrete steps we can take to lessen China's power in the global community and um, in hopes that we use these tactics to to hold China accountable and change their behavior. I'm also curious too, and we've certainly heard some troubling stories about uh, certain groups acting in Canada, really basically to advance the interests of, of the CCP and this, mm-hmm. this concern about some of this interference in Canada. So for those from Hong Kong or, or others, uh, Uyghurs or others who have come to Canada to, to try to escape the CCP, what risk do they face here? To what extent are, are these kinds of groups operating and how worried should we be? I think Canadians need to be um, concerned and vigilant in uh, these harassment campaigns that are being carried out. Uh, it's difficult to say what degree of interference and harassment we're facing, but it is a fact that the dissident communities have been recording these harassment campaigns for many years. Um, I, as someone who has also faced harassment campaigns against me, um, whether it is in-person or online harassment, um, the issue we are dealing with in Canada is there is no transparency scheme to bring to light um, what organizations, what individuals are being paid by a foreign state actor to carry out these kind of operations. Uh, I think once we are able to uncover more of these um, connections and uh, uncover where the money is coming from, we would be better equipped to deal with uh, these kind of interference campaigns. Well, we got a lot of work to do on these issues. I, I think uh, much more at AllianceCanadaHK.com, Alliance Canada Hong Kong. Sherry, thanks so much for joining us here this afternoon. Really appreciate this. Thank you for having me. All right, all the best. Uh, that is uh, Sherry Wong, Executive Director of Alliance Canada Hong Kong, which is an umbrella organization representing numerous uh, Hong Kong Canadian groups. So AllianceCanadaHK.com and so much more on, on some of these issues and kind of the five points of action they want to see. And we talked about those, right? holding official, uh, officials accountable for human rights violations. So we have 
uh, in Canada, the Justice for Victims of Corrupt Foreign Officials Act, the so-called uh, Sergei Magnitsky Law. This would apply here uh, to provide humanitarian supports for Hong Kongers, Tibetans, Uyghurs, other groups seeking asylum from the Chinese Communist Party, protecting Canadians' fundamental freedoms from erosion and proactively combating CCP interference in Canadian society to investigate and combat foreign interference in Canadian institutions, and to end all exports of military and police goods and technology to China that are being used for human rights violations by the Chinese Communist Party. All right, our number here, 403-974-8255. My name is Rob Breckenridge. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.